Yo, what's good, everyone? Thank you for stepping into the coach's box. We are back. Took a little bit of, of a break, but we missed y'all. So you got to bring it back this week with another great episode. We got to put a bow in the NCAA tournaments you know, that we watched that ended earlier this week. We're going to dive into a little bit of NBA talk as the playoffs approach. And the Tiger is back at the Masters. So we're going to wrap it up with, with a little Tiger Woods talk. But first, we're going to talk about our reflections on the NCAA tournaments. Uh, so, you know, coaches are going to chime in about, you know, whether you know, it's the men's side of things, the women's side of things, different things from the tournament there. So, um, so what we got for this one, fellas? What are your reflections on the tournament? Uh, North just, just, go, ahead. go ahead, my brother. Oh, no, that's all I got to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They they robbed I'll, Coach K. The team they robbed, robbed Coach K. <laughs> and then Coach K robbed himself. You got to put that on coaching because the fact that you lose your first, you know, loss as a coach for Duke came to you know UNC, and then your last game with Duke <laughs> was an L against UNC, and then your last game ever as a coach was a loss to UNC. Like what? And then UNC kind of let me down because I assumed whoever, you know, would have came out uh, of that game would have won it all. But, hey, it was March Madness. Like, the craziest thing was happening. But um, that's what we love about it, I guess. <laughs> madness. We love the madness. So, so Coach K, your, your, your namesake came up short this, you know, this tournament. So what were your takeaways from the tournament? Um, North Carolina is coach is coach Shashevsky's kryptonite. Uh, my other takeaway is I don't really care about Duke. Like I, I hope they I, I I hope they lose every year. Like that's that's just how I felt about the team. Um, Kentucky <laughs> Kentucky lost early, um, which that was surprising to see. Um, a lot of stupid plays on Duke's part cost him the game. Um, I forget I forget what the player was, but he got too many fouls early, and Coach, I mean, Krzyzewski should have took him out of the game, but that didn't happen. Um, and then the Kansas game, my biggest takeaway is uh, there was definitely some better play calling that should have – there should have been better play calling at the end on North Carolina's part. Um, especially like the last couple possessions of the game, I just saw some stupid shots. But you know, I mean, kudos to Kansas. So, so those are my takeaways. Go ahead, Coach Pace. Um, really, Duke is overrated. Uh, <laughs> I think we can all unanimous, unanimously agree about that. And then. Uh, Calipari low-key overrated, too, but that's a whole nother can of worms. Actually, he's not overrated because all he gets is one and done, so it's hard to put together a team with that. Um, and then UNC, I mean, they really lost because somebody decided to go 6 of 24, 6 of 24, 25. Uh, My boy kept shooting. Yeah, that's the 
definition of sh- that's the definition of shooting somebody out the game. Like my boy would not stop shooting. No. Uh, and that's really why they lost it. And then uh what's his name? Uh Hu- Hubert Davis, he wasn't calling timeouts when the when the bleeding was happening. So he would mm. wait. He went on like a 20 to 4 run, didn't even call a timeout, and then yeah, so his use of timeouts was terrible. Um, and then outside of that, now I'm a big Armando Baycock fan because he was getting busy down. Busy. Uh, on one on one on one ankle, too. Because yeah. his other one messed up. I was sad to see him go out because they ain't had no answer for him off one leg, which is sad. But, yeah, man, I mean, shout out to Kansas for winning. Hey, they did what they needed to be done. Yeah, I mean, um, as far as the the championship, McCormick did his thing because I think that was a lot of the question marks. Was he going to be able to impose his will on the game in any fashion, Uh, especially with Armando Baycott being so dominant, as you mentioned, Coach Pace? Uh, He was still dominant on the boards. It's just like Kansas, especially for at least, you know, two thirds of the game, couldn't get a rebound because Baycott was getting every rebound. If the ball hit the rim, hit off the rim, Baycott was getting the rebound. So they couldn't get a lot of second chance points. Yeah. Um, so I, Caleb Love and RJ Davis, yeah, they didn't shoot well at all. Uh, really disappointing. They were the keys, I think, to getting North Carolina over the hump. Um, I agree with your assessment on uh, uh, Hubert Davis there. But yeah, I was happy for David McCormick. He did his thing. Um, and I, outside of that, you know, we talked about St. Peter's, you know, that their, their big run that they made. Shout out coach, uh, you know, Shaheen Holloway got a Seton Hall job now, you know what I'm saying, out of that. So that's the type of stuff, kind of stuff that can happen through this March Madness is that it not only amplifies the player stage, but also the coaching stage. Uh, so we saw the benefits of that uh, happen. Uh, flipping on the women's side, um, you know, you I, I thought Stanford was going to make it to the championship game. And, um, you know, they, they, they came up short. UConn had a great run, but they're not like the dominant UConn women's team that we're used to seeing. So, like, the, the parity was definitely there in the games where it's like, man, I don't know who's going to take this. Uh, but big shout out to, to Paige Buckets. You know what I'm saying? She did her thing in the tournament to get them to the championship game. But Aaliyah Boston, man. Yeah, she she's something else. She's something else. She did her thing. Uh, she basically swept all the awards that you can give out for women's college basketball. Uh, so shout out to her. Shout out to Dawn Staley, uh, first black coach, men's or women's side to win, um, you know, the, the two chips. Uh, so shout out to her as well. So those are some of my takeaways from the tournament. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie that watching that you <laughs> that UConn game was so sad. I was just like, they should cut this off because they was getting busted. I was like, yeah, y'all not y'all not what y'all used to be. But yeah, definitely shout out to South Carolina. You know, I was definitely rooting for them, but um, I was I was hoping for a better game than that <laughs> for sure. Yeah I, yeah, I think we were all expecting a better game than that. Um, you know, on the women's basketball side, you know, they broke attendance records, viewership records. Uh, ESPN was pretty intentional about highlighting the games. And so having, you know, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, uh, you know, do their thing on ESPN2 to be able to talk about the game as it's going on, kind of like 
Peyton and Eli did with Monday Night Football. Uh, so I think those are kind of some cool creative things to get people interested in. It's, it's working. It's working. So, yeah. That's uh, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, side note. That's Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi was hilarious. It was. Listen, I know they was in there drunk. drunk. <laughs> they was in there twisted. <laughs> and Diana Taurasi kept making jokes, so many inappropriate jokes on the air. It was hilarious. But yeah, yeah. It was a good, it was a good move. It was good to see that, um, see that going on. So I hope they build on that momentum. Um, so we're going to switch it over to some NBA talk. So Kyrie Irving is always an interesting interview, isn't he? You know, and so when, when, when he talks, sometimes you're like, bruh, like what, like, what are you, what are you thinking? He had one of those moments recently, and Coach Natty T is going to outline what that moment was for Kyrie. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, what's new in the world today? I have something to say about Kyrie Irving. Jesus, Lord have mercy. Anyway, so he had an interview after the game. This was a, this was a few weeks ago. Or no, this was last week, actually. But, you know, he was complaining that he should get a day off because he's been wore out with all the back-to-back games that the Brooklyn Nets have had. So I thought maybe he was joking, but went back and looked at it. He wasn't joking. He was pretty serious. I'm thinking, what the hell were you doing for half the season? (laughs) I mean, didn't you have all that time to kind of get your body right? I mean, shouldn't you be fresher than everybody else? But, you know, I, I don't know. What do I know? But really, that just kind of segues into just the overall problem with the NBA, with players not playing and guys sitting out and guys not wanting to play and still getting paid. Um, so Adam Silver had his statement on it a few days ago, which is great that you have to actually have to say something now after this has been going on for three, four years now. But it's great for you to actually acknowledge it, Adam Silver, but that's another side note. Um, I think it's time for the NBA to just adopt the NFL model. No more like fully guaranteed contracts. Like maybe for like the elite guys, you know, your LeBron S type guys, maybe those guys can get guaranteed contracts. But everybody else, you got to earn it. Even if you sign a contract, you don't play, you get cut. You don't get paid no money. That's what the NBA is going to have to do. I'm I'm trying to advocate for it because this is ridiculous. Between Kyrie, between Ben Simmons, between Zion's fat self in New Orleans, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. James Harden, you can add him to that list too. James Harden, I mean, he plays, but it's just like he's just thinking about the strip club the whole time. So I don't even know if that even counts as playing. But you can throw him in there too. He, he doesn't play. He doesn't. He doesn't play. Play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you can just tell he just don't. He just does not care. Yeah, he just needs the check for the strip club. That's all it is. It yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. So, I, don't know. I just, it's just gotten to a point where it's just getting really ridiculous. I mean, like I have no desire to watch regular season games anymore because for one, like you watch. You know, the matchup's coming up. You're like, okay, man, like, all right, this matchup's going to look like, oh, so-and-so sitting out. 
Like, come on, man. Like, I got a son, man. I have like limited times that I can watch the games. <laughs> 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 then it's like, all right, I'm ready for the game. And then, oh, so and so ain't playing. I'm like, man, this is garbage. So that's what I'm advocating for. The NBA to adopt what the NFL is doing because, you know, the NFL, they at least, those guys play. And I don't understand how the NFL is a more physical game, you know, football. Yet those guys are playing more often than NBA guys. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But that's all I got to say, man. You know, y'all know how I feel about Kyrie. So we don't need to go too deep down the rabbit hole. But, you know, I just had to say my, give my two cents on that. Yeah, I mean, we all know that it's more so like that because of the the control. It's just the difference in control. They give more control to players for the NBA, as in the NFL, they give too much control to, you know, the owners. But I agree because the one thing that I don't like <laughs> about how some players go about it is that they want to play like the, you know, the – typical citizen type of way like people uh us so it's just like oh well you know if you didn't want to show up to work or you were too tired and so forth you wouldn't show up but it's just like well if we don't show up we don't get paid unless if we have some type of pto or something so like but you just get to up and walking like oh well, i'm not getting paid my you know full check i'm not getting paid my game check or whatever like but you're getting paid millions and you're just, you know, you get paid off of, yes, your performance, but also for us to see your performance, you have to show up. So, like, if you need a day off, so be it. But it coming from Kyrie, like, this is, like, the worst time imaginable because it's like, all right, well, you've been off for, like, <laughs> <laughs> like a year <laughs> like you've been off forever and you just come back and play a couple of back-to-back games and like if I'm his teammate I'm gonna be like I've been playing all season and you're complaining about just a couple back-to-back games you don't you could easily just be like go to you know Steve Nash or whatever and just be like hey there's a lot of back-to-back games coming up or a lot of games this week keep me at like 30 33 minutes per game you could just do that like nobody's telling you to play a full game or whatever. We just want you to show up and play. That's what the team, that's what your contract asks of you. Like, just fulfill the contract you sign. That's it. But I just feel like he finds new ways to be a headache. And it's just like, it just reminds me of the time when, you know, KD was shopping the market, but everybody knew that Kyrie came with that. And this is the reason why they didn't want him. But they knew, like, hey, we have to take him if we want to get KD because this is what Kyrie does. So it, I'm just tired of it at this point. Like, I, I don't care to see him play <laughs> anymore. Like, if he just happens to be there, so be it. Uh, I just watched because of Kyrie – I mean, uh, KD. So – and then they probably won't even make it out the plan anyways, the way they play defense. So we won't have to hear about it until next season. Any other thoughts on Kyrie? I wish he would have just stayed the rest of the year at home. I'm kind of tired of him anyways. Already? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, he came back, had that 42-point game. I'm like, all right, cool. Get all excited about the Nets. And then, you know, all this other stuff starts, like, just how he talks and everything. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of tired of it myself. So. I don't know if y'all, if y'all know this, because, like, he came back. Like, it was part-time. He had, like, that 60-point game. He had, that, like, that 50-point game. But if you notice, once he was able to be full time, like the shooting percentage went down, score yep. production went down. I was like, hmm. his numbers is all over the place. Yeah, I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. When you actually played full time, hmm, even though you should be the freshest guy in the NBA, all of a sudden you tired. All of a sudden you ain't got no legs anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I digress. Coach Pace, you got anything for this one? I mean, y'all said it all. I'm tired of Kyrie. I'm over it. Next subject. I'm tired of dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, and lastly, I, I guess I'll wrap it up just by saying, like, it's interesting to see how games down the stretch – they're losing these games, these these close games. Right? So to, to have that immense talent on the court, you finally got the band together. We've seen KD can go off for 40, Kyrie can go off for 40 on any given night. But still, they're finding a way to lose these games, especially the close ones down the stretch, to teams that... Well, against the good teams, that's the, that's the, the good caveat. Yeah. Against any top teams, East or West. Like they yeah. they beat the Knicks the other night, of course, but <laughs> when they playing like the top teams, they them close games, it's tough. Because I mean you seventy six. The seventy sixers don't count as a top team either. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I mean like real top teams, not real time. not teams that have players that like, you know, not top strip clubs, yeah. but top actual basketball. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I, I mean know. that that's it was the sixty point game. Was that against Orlando or something like that, like one of the teams. Yeah, like, like they're, they're a G League team, man, Orlando. Yeah. Yes. Like, they just happy to be in the NBA at this point. <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, they lost to Boston down the stretch in a close one. I mean, the Knicks had them beat by 20, but the Knicks have given up so many 20-plus point leads throughout the season. You knew that there was a high chance that they were going to come back, the Nets were going to come back in that way. But they had a team that knew how to close out a game they'd have lost that game too, you know, because they were just getting just dominated for large stretches of the game. So they got to do better than that if they expect to make any noise in the playoffs. And uh, it seems like Giannis is is one of their kryptonites because they they can't beat that dude. They can't. The Greek freak. Greek freak. Well, speaking of can't beat people, the Lakers couldn't beat anybody down the stretch, really. So, ah. Was it they finished with 11 games behind, you know, under 500? Not at all what was projected at the beginning of the season. I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts. I do have a mini soapbox, but I'm not going to bore y'all with all that. Um, I just want to, for people that said, well, you know, when Jordan was in Washington and, and, and you know, at his advanced age, you know, that they, they they didn't make it to the playoffs either. First of all, Jordan was 40 years old. Second of all, he didn't have Russell Westbrook 
Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, anybody like that on his roster. He had Brogdon either, low key. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you, I want you to go and look up Jordan's rosters in Washington and LeBron's roster here this year with the Lakers. Which one are you picking? The Lakers. The expectation was that the Lakers were going to make noise in the playoffs, especially after the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. So don't compare the two situations. And actually, if you do want to compare the two situations, they didn't just make, fail to make the playoffs. They failed to make the play in. If you look at the, uh, the Washington Wizards uh, record for those two years where Jordan was in Washington, if they had a play in system, they'd have made it into both of those. They were ninth one year and 10th the next year. They would have made it into the play-in. Just saying. Just saying. So, anyways. Charles Oakley was still on that Wizards team. Yeah, Charles Oakley was about 45 years old uh, out here <laughs> playing for the Wizards, playing with his buddy Michael Jordan. You know, it, him, and, uh, him and Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. Kwame <laughs> Yeah, yeah, anyway. So one of my things about the Lakers season is that there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, I think Vogel's going to get the brunt of it. Uh, I don't think he deserves that much blame because he wasn't really GM. You know, LeBron helped assemble this team. I'm not saying LeBron is a bad um, manager, you know, like um, kind of like strategic planning of talent because he's done it well before. We've seen him do it well. So I'm not going to say he's bad just because he failed once. General managers fail all the time. Look at all the teams that are absolute trash, and they try year after year after year to get it right, and they can't. So I'm not going to say he just had a bad year of putting together the talent. Uh, the right the right pieces weren't there. Um, but I just didn't know what you expect with an NBA full of a bunch of young talent, and you got the oldest roster. Like, what did you think was going to happen at that point? Their defense was absolutely atrocious. They couldn't stop anybody. So even if they did make it to the playoffs, they weren't going to stop anyone. Uh, and LeBron had to carry a lot of weight. And I went on my little soliloquy last, last episode about LeBron's language that he uses during his post-game interviews, told the story of about exactly what he thinks about the team and how that sat in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sad that the Lakers got eliminated. I think a lot of us saw it coming. And for LeBron's legacy, does this affect it a little bit? In my opinion, yes. And I only say that because if you look at LeBron, the people that say LeBron is the GOAT, they look at his longevity of greatness and accomplishments with his teams. And if you look at his stint with the Lakers, missed the playoffs, bubble championship, uh, get bounced in the first round. And then completely missed the play-in. Though that's his legacy so far in, in LA. So you're looking at one out of four. That was a success. So I think that's going to hurt the way people perceive him moving forward. Now he still has an opportunity to change that because he still has some years left, but to be continued. <sighs> Coach K, you look very disappointed over there. Uh, yeah, I, was yeah, uh, I was like, nah, I got to let him get whatever he, he got on his chest. Yeah, he got mm-hmm. something on his heart, don't he? <laughs> yeah. Man, I, just, I just got something I want to read, that's all. Oh, God. 
keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're past our prime in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please. And I mean, please keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. Hashtag thank you. That tweet has since been deleted. (laughs) (laughs) And we did keep that same energy, LeBron. We did. Because, yeah, (laughs) you didn't make it. You know, I mean, I can't I can't say I'm not. I mean, I am disappointed. Um, I think I, I was wanting to see, I mean, again, it's just like, you know, you have one of those matchups, like, okay, I'd like to see another LeBron Brooklyn, like, I don't know. I mean, a LeBron KD, you know, matchup in the finals, but that ain't going to happen. We'll probably get Giannis and, uh, Giannis and the Suns again. Miami. But, hmm? Miami. Um, um, yeah, Miami, Miami, yeah. Um, I bet but, on them I don't know. Hmm? I said I bet on them winning at all. Oh, I, I easily see that. Um, <laughs> I look. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like I'm. I think. I hate seeing journeyman Russ Russell Westbrook now because at this point in his career, nobody's gonna win him. Um. I don't know. I just. I just hated everything about this this Lakers team pretty much. And, uh, I mean, Vogel's probably going to be the scapegoat, but I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of hands that could – one, AD is soft. He's not a top-10 player. Might not even – I don't know. Maybe he might be in the top 20 somewhere. But, <laughs> he, yeah, he's soft. He got – he got he was getting bodied by Giannis. <laughs> Giannis Man, was can, making him I, look like a fool. Man. Uh, Westbrook can't change his ways. Uh I don't know. And then the last thing I was going to say too, uh, I would I would trade AD. Um, I, if I was LeBron, I'd go back to the Cavs and uh, <laughs> get rid of Westbrook and and trade and uh, and trade THT in the offseason while he has some value now. That's that's all I have left to say. It's sad when the Cavs are are looking like the better team. Than a LeBronless Cavs. Who who would have thought entering the season that LeBronless Cavs team would have a better record than LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis? It took it took them some years to finally outdo Bron. Right. But <laughs> the, the thing is, like, I know people want to put this as an indictment on on his career, but I don't think, uh, or I guess his legacy, but I don't think it is that's the case because literally. We're talking strictly basketball. It doesn't matter what he did to get who on the team or whatever. We're talking about what he did on the court. And he literally did everything he can. You talk about, you know, the people that Jordan had on his team versus who Brian did. But then if you strip that away and just look strictly off of production, would you rather one this Westbrook production, AD production where he doesn't show up? Or, you know, the stats of the other guys that was on Jordan's team. So, like, there's a bunch of stuff. I think people are getting too wrapped up into the names and not into the production. Brian balled this season, the the games he played. And he literally showed that no matter what he did, he just couldn't overcome the team. 
I don't believe, you know, Vogel. The Vogel should be fired. <laughs> but, he should. but I'm not saying like, oh, like firing him and finding a new coach isn't going to change anything. It's the roster. Plus, he's not built to run a roster just like that. Just like how we said early on, Steve Nash isn't built to run a roster with KD and Kyrie, even though like on top of them stating, oh, we don't even need a coach. So like he, he's just not fit for for that team. But um it is it is a disappointment. I am kind of glad they didn't make it because it just shows that they probably wouldn't have made it out the the plan to be honest. And if they did, they would have got swept by the Suns. And I it will be like four ugly games. So mm-hmm. coach pace. I'm over them too, just like I'm over Kyrie. Um, I don't really know what to say because it's been like repetitive. And I mean, LeBron did what he needs to do. It's just, I'm sick of seeing Anthony Davis talk about, well, if we were healthy, <sighs> the problem is you're not healthy, Anthony. Okay. That's the problem. Don't, if, we, if we were all, you know what, if, if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk 100% of the time. So <laughs> I'm not trying to hear all that. Do want to talk about I, if, if we were healthy, if we had this, if we had that. No. If you could wear some high top shoes, if you would actually come in the season in shape and not build like a polar bear, if you would act like you know, like somebody didn't zap your powers like the Monstars. Listen, things could have been different, dude. Like, I'm, hey, tired. Like, I'm tired, bro. I'm tired of the Lakers. Somebody should be knocking at his door right now asking for that that 75 anniversary jacket back. Exactly. He don't deserve it. I don't know why they gave it to him in the first place. I really want to know who was like, oh, no, AD belongs in there. They uh, should be fired. They too. need to step forward. They need to step forward. Like, <laughs> step forward. Man, you know, <laughs> I just want to say this too. And like, granted, if it happens, I guess it happens. But what has Doc Rivers done over the past since since they won the championship in Boston? What has Doc Rivers done to deserve the Lakers head coaching job? Blow leads. Like, honestly. <laughs> Blow uh, leads. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, he has the most all the time. <laughs> that, and that's You're not wrong, Coach. So, You're not wrong. That's all. I, that's that's my final comment on the Lakers. It, oh, it was funny. It's not Vogel's fault, by the way. I just want y'all to. It's really not Vogel. Vogel was set up to fail in the first place. Like I don't. If we if we really call in the spade, spade, Vogel was set up to fail in the first place. He wasn't the coach that they wanted. Uh, Phil Handy and all them, they don't like him. Vogel's a defensive coach. Handy's an offensive guru. Like, those two don't even mix. Uh, literally, his his whole coaching staff is offensive-minded coaches. Like, none of yeah, them are. Gilbert he's, Arena like, the only defensive well, Yeah. Also, I mean, Jason Kidd left. So, I mean, that hurt him, too. It was the biggest piece of it that they were 
you know, formidable on defense when Jason Kidd was there. The Mavericks were horrendous at defense. Jason Kidd goes to the Mavericks. All of a sudden, the Mavericks are one of the best defensive teams in the league, and the Lakers are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. You got rid of the only defensive-minded head coach on the staff. And they want all washed-up superstars. So that doesn't really help either. Yeah. You can only do so much defensive, like, schemes when people are, like, have one foot in the grave, in the basketball grave. Like, that is just – that's just the way it is. It's just the like, way it is. Man. Every everything that is like, oh, we just we just attacked Melo. Exactly. Like, just well, like, oh, that was the Warriors. Yeah. And it's just like, and y'all still couldn't plan for for it because it's like, okay, well, we're gonna put a different defender, and he's just gonna be slightly less, just like slightly younger than Carmelo, yeah. but still like fifteen like, years older than the guy he's going to. <laughs> somebody six months younger than Melo. Like trying to go no. The thing about Anthony Davis also made me mad was when they played the Suns, he had the nerve in an interview to trash talk and be like, "Yo, see, man, we had y'all beat in the series, man. If I if I was healthy, if we were healthy, man, we would have beat y'all. We would have beat y'all." I'm like, you can't be talking trash from the sideline. You ain't even in the game. Like you can't stay healthy. You ain't even in this game, let alone that game, man. What, what's his nickname? Street clothes? Day Davis. Sorry, go ahead, Coach Natty You haven't got a chance to chime in on this one. I can't wait to hear what he has. I'm putting myself on mute. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nothing, nothing to – I mean, you guys pretty much said everything. I guess my opinion is look at next year. This is very interesting. So they only have, out of everybody that's on the roster, they only have like one, two, three, four, five, six. They only have six players on the contract for next year. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker, a.k.a. THT, Kendrick Nunn, and Austin Reeves. That's it. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, we need to trade Who? That's all they have for next year. It's not Malik Monk's not on contract next year. No, everybody else. Ooh. That that's that is it. Now, Yikes. everybody says trade Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's stock is down right now. What team is going to take that contract? The Hornets came up. Please, no, please don't do it, MJ. Please, please don't do it. I think he's going to do it. As, as dumb as he is as a GM, and yes, I am calling Michael Jordan dumb as a GM and as an owner. Yes, yeah. I just said that. Yeah, I think they'll ship out Gordon Hayward or something like that for him if they were. That's only like contract wise, I'm thinking. Which would Anthony be Davis thing? stock, but but Anthony Davis stock is down. I don't know if I, I don't know many teams that's going to take Anthony Davis. Now, the only person that whose stock is on the basketball court is either, you know, the same as what it was or slightly higher is LeBron James. Now, I'm not suggesting the Lakers trade LeBron James, but LeBron James is the only asset that you have. So, I mean, I think the question is, do you just completely blow it up? Or run it back. Because based on the six people that they have on the roster, 
they don't really have much options as far as trades go. They really don't. You can't run that back. Oh my! Can't run really it to the ground. I'm just saying because you know I hear oh, you know, a lot of the talk on media like, "Oh, trade this, trade that." I'm like, they only have six people on the roster next year. Like in the way the NBA trades work, like when you trade a contract, when you trade Russell Westbrook's contract, I think it's he's making what forty million a year. Yeah, I think forty seven million a year. Yeah. Like the the contract, either player for player or players have to match that contract. I'm like, his stock is down right now, especially after this season with the Lakers. I mean, what team is going to want to take Russell Westbrook and give up two or three young guys and draft picks for Russell Westbrook at this stage? Because he's going to be 33, going to be 34 next year. That's a huge management, like, mistake. I'm telling you, because they fix players and contract they only have and and it's those six that's it all because you don't want to pay demar to rose in an extra year bro man so for me you know on top of what everything that you guys said already for me i'm like looking forward like what are the solutions i i don't know i really don't know because we already saw during the trade deadline i mean they couldn't really find a good suitor for russell westbrook they're talking about trading him for John Wall, and again, I said this when the trade deadline passed, I've lived in the D.C. metro area for six going on seven years now. I've seen a lot of John Wall. Let me tell you something right now. That would have been horrible. That would have even been worse than having Russell Westbrook. I guarantee you. I've seen a lot of that man play basketball. He does the same thing over and over again. Like, Russ at least will try to do stuff. This man runs up and down the court with no jump shot and try to barrels his way to the basket. That's it. No other moves. Garbage. So I do not blame the Lakers for not trading him because I'm telling you, garbage. So that was the best trade offer you could get. I don't see that much else happening in the offseason. I don't see it getting much better in terms of trade offers because, again, his stock is down. Regardless of who you want to blame or not blame, his stock is down. Yeah, like you're not going to get this whole haul. Everybody, oh, they should just trade him for Dame. Uh, They're <clears throat> not trading him for Dame Lillard. Like it has to be a mutual interest. With and like with the Charlotte thing coming up, it's like you really can't trade him because it's like, all right, you look at Brian and AD as the corner pieces. Mm-hmm. It's either hey, you trade Russ for Wall or you trade Russ for Gordon Hayward, but the difference between Russ and those two guys are Russ is the only one that can stay on the court. The other two are injury prone. So you're going to pair one of the two injury prone players with another one in AD. So then it's just going to be nice where it's just like, yeah, Brian, it's you and everyone else, not the other stars in, in year 20. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, that to me, that, I want to see how that develops, you know, over, you know, when the season's over, because I'm telling you, like, those are the six players that they have. <laughs> so everybody thinking, oh, yeah, they can just trade Melo. And I'm like, no, they're, they're not under contract. Man, so, yeah, I'm curious about their moves, too, because like now the funny thing is 
the Lakers is not, it's no longer a hot spot anymore. Like you can't even expect free agents to be like, oh yeah, I'll, you know, take a take a pay cut to play for the Lakers. It's going to be like, not with LeBron, not right now. Yeah, exactly. so I'm just like, no. It, it would just have to be somebody that's like, oh, well, I know Brian will probably be out next year, so this could be my team. But, like, I don't think anybody will really want to endure that for a season. No. So. Well, interesting times ahead. Wow. <laughs> Very interesting times ahead. It went to the Spurs. <laughs> Well, Coach Murph, we'll go ahead and let you kick off this topic. Uh, we're going to do a little, little bit of guessing for some of the postseason awards out there as the season closes. And we're going to start with uh, the MVP and Coach of the Year. And then in the other episodes, we'll fill in the gaps with some other awards. So, Coach Murph, who's your MVP and Coach of the Year picks for this year? I'm expecting everybody to have the same answer for MVP. If it's not Jokic, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Like this, he's the first player with two over two thousand points, one thousand rebounds, and five hundred assists in a single season. He's taken a team with no Jamal Murray or no MPJ to be a, a playoff team. And then I know people want to bring up seeds, but if you look at the record in the West. He's only like a game or two behind like Giannis or the Sixers. Like he's like their records are pretty much identical. So you can't pull the whole seeding like, oh, well, they're a fifth or a sixth seed. It's like, well, I mean, it's the same as MB. Like, yes, he went with the whole fiasco with Ben Simmons. And but eventually he got James Harden. And then, you know, Giannis, his team has been his team the past couple of seasons. So. I think it's Jokic. I know it should be Jokic. It should be Jokic. You can't <laughs> tell me otherwise. <laughs> now, coach of the year, that one was interesting. Uh, a couple coaches that came to mind was uh, Taylor Jenkins for the Grizzlies. Uh, they had a, a hell of a season. And then going 20-2 and two without job. Uh, that takes a lot of skill. Nobody expect that from Memphis. Of course, you got Monty Williams um, setting a record of, you know, the most wins in the Suns franchise history. You got Mike, Michael Malone with, you know, Jokic in Denver, that goes without saying. And also I put in um, Emmy and Doka with the Celtics for how bad they were at the beginning of the season and was able to turn that around. Those are kind of like all of mine. If I had to pick one, I'm kind of bouncing between Jenkins and, and Williams. I will probably have to give it to Williams because of – I think nobody truly gives the Suns their just due. They just felt like, okay, yeah, they, they made the finals, but, I mean, you know, I think they think everything is heavily luck involved last season, but – I think this season they just showed it was pure skill and they were head and shoulders better than every other team, but they just flew under the radar just because, I mean, they don't, they have big name players like CP three and, and Booker, but they're not as big as a Giannis or a LeBron or Jokic and Embiid, so on and so forth. 
So they're, they're just like a fly under the radar team, but they've been destroying everybody. I mean, you can see from the record. So I would probably go Monty Williams. I'm shocked you didn't put Spo in there. I I was thinking about it because of, I mean, they dealt with so many injuries throughout the season um, and still managed to clinch the number one seed. But I don't know. I I, I think it's just more so like I expect good things from Eric Spolstra. So it just kind of just like that's what you should be doing. That's what you have been doing. Not number one seed type, but I, I always expect them to be a good team. But um, I just had to those, – those are the ones that came to mind off rip. Coach Pace, who you got? Um, I got Spo or Taylor Jenkins. Um, I think more so Taylor Jenkins just because of what he did without Ja. Um, and they've been pretty consistent throughout the year. So I would say Taylor Jenkins. But, you know, it's a, it's a couple of real good candidates. What about MVP? Yeah. Oh, MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think Jokic should get it. But I would not be mad if Giannis got it. Because he's just kind of like a model of consistency. And we all know what we're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. And he does it on both ends as well. So, like, Jokic does too. You guys check the stats. He doesn't lock down like Giannis does, but Jokic does have a, he has a defensive presence. He, he has several game winning blocks this season. Okay. Okay. Coach K, who do you have? Uh, coach of the year. Go ahead and give it to Ty Lue. Go ahead and give it to Ty Lue, Kenny. <laughs> I ain't giving nothing to Ty. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, know, I know he's probably not going to get it, but I would even put Jason Kidd in the conversation because of what he did for Dallas. Um, but give it to Monty Williams. I feel like he deserves it. I mean, they're head and shoulders the best team in the league. Um, MVP. I don't want to say the Joker, but he deserves it the most. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if, uh, I wouldn't be mad if Giannis got it. I will say, though, I think Devin Booker should at least be in the top five. Oh, he is, for sure. He he better be. I feel like you clump Joker, Giannis, and and Embiid together, and then I think after a sizable gap, you would throw Booker right right there at four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my coach of the year, and he's not going to win it, but it'll be my coach of the year, the Ime Udoka, Boston, because they were trash at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And for them to turn it around the way they have, um, you know, because there's just a lot of that talk of, 
oh, is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, are they really a good fit together? Should they trade them? But, you know, he's figured it out. Yeah, and they're destroying people out, too. Yeah, they're <laughs> destroying people. I'm, I don't know if that would necessarily – I mean, I don't know. Because they've been to, you know, two conference finals, so they have the playoff experience. But I keep thinking maybe they won't be able to be able to maintain that in the playoffs. But, I mean, they're certainly capable of getting to – at least the Eastern Conference Finals. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, um, like this year, I feel like outside of like the past couple of seasons, you kind of like knew, you felt like there'll probably be a first round exit. But I think this is the first year I kind of look at them. I'm like, no, they're like a legit threat. Yeah, like, they're like, legit. Deep run. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. Um, and then number two, and I said this when he got hired, I like his decision making because he's married to Nia Long. So that's a win for me. Right. He should get it just because of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he should have known he was going to be a good coach. He's a great coach. Like I said, I trust his decision. He knows how to acquire talent. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, and for me, my MVP is Giannis. Jokic is going to get it. For me, it's Giannis. Yeah. Um, I picked Giannis because I kind of was, you know, doing some research on this. I mean, for me, against Denver, against, um, you know, Boston, against Philly, I put Brooklyn in there because, you know, supposedly Kevin's the best, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. That's what they tell me. Record's 21 and four. And his averages were. 38, 38 points per game against those teams. 38, <laughs> 12 and six. That boy good. So for me, I was like, damn. Because <laughs> 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 I kind of, the way I thought about it, I'm thinking kind of like how the NFL does it. Obviously, it's a quarterback award, but I mean, obviously, your team has to be good, but. And, like, what did you do in the big games? Like, what was your, like, MVP moment? What was, like, you know, the marquee games? And all the other MVP candidates that we throw out there, he outplayed everybody, like, significantly. And, you know, 21 and four. Whew. So, for me, that's why I would give it to, to Giannis. But I think... Jokic is going to get it. And I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't argue any of the points that you've already made. But, you know, for me, it's Giannis, just for that reason. Cause I'm just like, damn. <laughs> but his team You're doing is, that. His team is the most consistent. Like, I feel like, like him putting up those numbers against Denver, it's like, okay, it's Jokic and who else? You know what I mean? You no, got. I get it. Like I said, I, I can't argue that. That's why I think he's going to get it. But, I mean, for me, I'm just like, goodness gracious. And, again, I mean, there are two seed in the East. I know the records are, you know, the only two games behind with Denver. But, I mean, they are the two seed. So, whew, I, I just find that incredibly impressive. Okay, I guess we we, we pretty much all agree. I I, I – I have the Joker too. I can't argue against him right now with the injuries that took place on the team, the statistics that we talked about. And a lot of it is just, you know, how, how do you finish? How do you finish a season? 
sometimes your earlier to mid-season play can be overlooked if you finish extremely strong. Uh, you know, Joker, he's been consistent and he finished that. Like our last memory of Jokic this Jokic this season is going to be that record that he made. You know, <clears throat> what is our last image of Embiid? Losing to the Raptors, losing, what was it like going three and four in the last seven games? Something like that. They went for Philadelphia. That will be the last thing we remember. I mean, he did get any clips on who knows. Yeah. Yeah, he got a score. He well, did get his out. To be fair, yeah, he's playing well. He just, you know, his strip club buddy over there is just trash. Man, and that's- <laughs> hamstring that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Coach K. I, I just don't know what to say about James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what to say about him. Yeah, man. I, I I agree. It's not it's not Embiid's fault that they've that they gone there. But when you look at how you end the season, Embiid is inta- attached to those losses. Fair or unfair, he's mm-hmm. attached to those losses. You know, so Jaws- go ahead. No, I was saying isn't hasn't uh hasn't uh, Harden been averaging somewhere around like 17 points or something like that. Yeah, it's been he's been horrendous. Shooting percentage, tanking, points per game tanking, facilitation skills tanking. He's just all around just being just bad. After he started off really well his first like four or five games, especially with Philly, he just kind of taken a nosedive since then. Um, but yeah, so I think he's going to get an unfair treatment, and just that just kind of knocked him out of the conversation. Uh, and so then when you talk, you know. Ja was an early favorite for people missing 22 games. He's not in the conversation. I think Devin Booker gets overshadowed by Chris Paul's presence. So he'll never be seriously considered an MVP candidate, but he will make it to the top four or five. Like I said, he better be at least in that part of the conversation. So, and then Giannis, I think people just get bored with Giannis because he does so well every year. And it's like we expect that of him. So it's the kind of the LeBron effect, the the Jordan effect in past years. I think that I think Giannis is experiencing that now. So I don't think he'll get it, even though if he did, I wouldn't be mad at it. I think he deserves it. Um, Coach of the year, y'all brought up a lot of good names. This one is a little bit more up in the air. Um, Taylor Jenkins was my is my pick because I think about like who in, in the beginning of the year would pick Memphis to go from a play-in team to number two in the Western Conference. I don't think a lot of us would have picked that. Even as much respect as people you know, did have for Ja in the, in the run they made last year. So I, I think I think he has he has to get it. Mon, you know, Monty deserves it too. Um, but he's gotten his flowers. So I think this will be time for, for Taylor to get his. Uh, I'm not mad at the at the um uh doka pick either though i'm not mad at that one because i don't think people realize because when people look at the boston celtics they think of this model of consistency uh and this culture that's been built they haven't won 50 games since 2017 2018 season that was the last time they won 50 plus games they were 55 and 27 that year under brad stevens they haven't won 50 games since then until this year 
And, and so for him to take that, you know, that roster, you know, that, that finished, what was it? 36 and 36 last year, they were 500, they were 500 team. You pretty much have the same roster and you're able to get 50 games plus 14 in the win column for your team as a first year head coach. I wouldn't be mad if he got it either. But my pick, if I had to choose between the two, would be Taylor Jenkins. So, um, this last topic, you know, we don't often talk about golf on the show. I don't think we've ever talked about golf on the show. But, you know, when they talk, they talk about major sports days throughout the year, we think of, you know, the start of March Madness. We think of the Super Bowl. You know, we think of, for some of us, maybe like the Wimbledon tournament. But for others, it's the Masters. It's the Masters weekend. Uh, and the Tigers back. And so, um, Coach Natty T, this was your topic. You want to get us started on the return of Tiger Woods? No, yeah. I mean, um, you know, not to go too too much into it, but I thought, I mean, that's it was just huge news. So he had to at least cover it a little bit. So, you know, I I don't consider myself a golfer. I've played golf. I haven't played since the pandemic, but you know, I'm not very good. Like last time I played. You know, I was like 101 was my score, which is like like for a beginner, which is that's a scratch golfer, which is not good. But <laughs> <laughs> when Tiger plays, I do watch. So, you know, for me, watching the practice rounds, you know, leading up this week, I was shocked that he looked pretty much like the same Tiger. Um you know, after a horrific accident like that, you know, what was it, 18 months ago or 15 months ago, whatever it was. I mean, I'm just shocked that he's out there walking around. Now, as far as the Masters go, he made the cut, which is great. Mm-hmm. He's, he's tied for like 19th right now, technically. I would love for him to win. I don't know if he will, I think, because tomorrow is going to be, you know, the big determining factor for him, because one of my bigger concerns are watching this, the second round today, he has trouble kind of squatting and like reading the green, which is, you know, that that's tough because, you know, that's something you need to do in golf. But I think the advantage that he does have is, you know, he's, he's a beast at Augusta, um, so my only my other fear is as the tournament kind of wades on because Augusta is four and a half miles or 4.3 miles or something like that like can he actually maintain the walking throughout the whole course because I know he said really he can hit the ball just fine it's just the walking that's kind of the more difficult part for him so you know, I'm interested to see tomorrow how he does. I know today he was a little bit up and down. Um, but I'll tell you what, man. If he cracks that top 10 tomorrow, when that red comes out on Sunday, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Cats hey, are getting alligator arms out there, man. Tiger <laughs> on Sunday when he's in contention, there's nothing like it. So, I'm hoping he can at least get get to that level, but you know we'll see. But I but I'm definitely excited to see to see Tiger because again, once I started kind of playing golf a little bit, I definitely appreciated Tiger a lot more because golf is is a hard sport mm-hmm. to play, very hard. So 
you know, I just I don't I just want to see the red come out on Sunday. That's what I want to see. Yes. Yeah. I golf is by far the hardest sport that I've tried to play. Like it's no joke. Man. And I emphasize <laughs> the word try to play. Yeah. You know, it, it's because the thing the thing about golf is just that okay, and I'll go in, I'll I'll lead into it this way. Uh, I echo what Coach Natty T said about, I mean, just the fact, I mean, the fact that he even made the cut was an accomplishment in my eyes, like as a fan, because usually when you come off an injury, especially an injury where you, people are talking about, is he going to get his leg amputated? Because it was that bad. It was that bad. Somebody was like, is his life in danger? Because it was that bad. And you don't have a warm-up tournament. Usually they call in, you know, they kind of get their feet wet and they'll go and they'll play in a lesser tournament to get their rhythm back, to get their flow going, try to get their mind right, trying to trust their body again, which is something that all athletes have to go through in the course of like rebounding from injury. And he just goes straight to the masters and makes the cut. <laughs> and it makes the cut again through day one. And it made the cut again today. Yes, it's insane. I, I don't think people understand exactly how hard that is, especially when you talk about an individual sport. So for those that are like golfers, tennis players, those kind of things, uh, Olympians in the in the individual type races. So if you're Michael Phelps and you're a swimmer, you're Usain Bolt and you're, you know, running the, you know, 200 or whatever. Like those are if you have an off performance, that's 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 it for you right? Like you, you can only depend on yourself because if, you know, well, not this season, but when LeBron actually has a good team around him, if he were to have a mediocre game, his teammates can help pick up some of the slack, right? Somebody else gets you 25 off the bench or something, you know, 25 and someone gives you 15 off the bench, you can still win a game. Uh, so it's literally just you and the elements. The other piece is, I agree, Coach Nancy. I see his body kind of like affecting him because in even the way he walks, he's using the golf club to help put some of that pressure when he's walking between um, holes. Mm -hmm. And he never walked that. He didn't used to walk that way. It's not like that's his thing. Like, nah, he's kind of using the lightweight like a cane. If you think, if you kind of think about it, to take some of that pressure on. You know, there was a there was a hole. Uh, this afternoon where he completely did a walk around the hole uh, because it's, it, it was hard for him to squat. So he took more of like just walking around it several times so he could try to get the vision of how, how to hit the ball. Um, I mean, his putting is where he excels and I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, he missed a couple barely. There are a couple today barely. that man, he would have birdied those holes. Yeah. He was just to the right. A couple yeah, of times, man. just to the right, literally. So him reading the green, it, it's, that's, that's coming back. It's, he's not far off. So I think some minor adjustments, it, he, he sticks around. It, he's go, like, he, like you said, Coach 19, he makes it to Sunday. I don't want to see Tiger Woods on Sunday in the red polo. Um, but he's 46 years old. I think he's 46. So you're, you're talking about almost 50 years old. And... I don't think also people understand the amount of wear and tear actually hitting the ball has on your body. So if you've never played golf before, 
the torque that you have to have from the lower half of your body. And that's where the majority of the injury that Tiger Woods sustained comes from. Imagine have to do that over and over again, because you're at least doing a big one 18 times during a round. And you have and to you don't have the, the wrist. Yes, the wrist. Yeah, you got to like the grip of the, of the club. That's like, that's the center. Usually that's like the first thing to go. You can't yes. grip it. You yep. can't grip it. You got to get the lower body torque. And also his back had been bothering him too, even before all of this. So he doesn't have the healthiest back. He doesn't have the healthiest leg now. And now he has to do this back to back to back days. That's a lot to ask for an athlete to do, especially coming off of injury. So the fact that he's even made the two, the two cuts so far, I think is very commendable. Um, but I like to see him at least make a run for it on Sunday. So any other chime in about Tiger Woods? Uh, anything like that before we wrap up? No. Nah, just go Tiger, man. I'm rooting for anybody black. <laughs> Yo. Amen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, so on behalf of uh, Coach Pace, Coach K, Coach Murph, and Coach Natty T, I'm Coach JP3. See y'all next week. Stay blessed. Stay safe, y'all. Peace.